Welcome to True Stories of Tinseltown. Um, this show stars uh, features the lovely Ruta Lee. She was my super duper first guest, truly was, for 2022. You'll notice that in the show, I do say 1922, and I've been right. I did in the beginning of the year write it all the time. Where am I? I don't, I don't know. Twilight Zone, which she was on too, one of my favorite episodes. Um, but in the beginning of the show, um, you could hear me and you could hear Ruta and Ruta was like this and that was being loud. Other times it was like, like that. And I always, you can ask anybody who's been on the show. I always test how they sound and if we're equal balance, I always do that. And especially after I do that, when I start the podcast, I watch our levels, our vocal levels, and I make sure that we are, you know, on the same page. And we were. But for some reason, <laughs> came up. Hi, Ruth. I'm so happy I'm show. <laughs> and so um, we tried to bring it up. And then we had somebody else try to bring Ruta up. And then we had somebody else try to bring Ruta up. And unfortunately, we were not able to. So I had to cut, or they cut, about six minutes of the show. Um, so it may be weird when we get into the show. I also had a glass of wine. Sorry for the tinkle, tinkle. That only lasts a few minutes. And... Um, I apologize to Ruta. The other parts were low as well, but they were easily brought up. But it's just so, I didn't want to lose those six minutes, really, because they're very nice. Anyway, um, I know you'll enjoy this show. Ruta is such a lovely woman, and she is a cool, cool, cool chick. I just loved her, and you will too. So here's Ruta. Thank you, everybody. In 1955, people were not aware as much about mental illness. It was hush-hush. People thought it was, you know, they didn't want to come out in the open and say anything like that. Exactly. Right. No. And so we sort of felt that it was incumbent upon us in the business who were in the spotlight to shine that spotlight on into that dark dark hole called mental illness mm -hmm. and bring it into the light of healing and um, that's what we did for an awful lot of years and then woke up to the fact that we were missing something terribly important to our nation to any nation in fact and that is that we don't take the best care of the people that deserve it the most and they're the people the young men and women of our military mm. That, that wounded warriors—they are so yes. Terrible places all over the world, and then they fall through the cracks when it, when they come back. Mm -hmm. And so we joined up with UCLA and Operation Mend, and Op Mend 
does something about healing the broken and fractured bodies, and we Thalians are attempting to heal and restore the broken and fractured mind and spirit of our returning veterans. That's wonderful. That truly, really, you should be. You should be very proud. I can't only, you know, these guys go through the mill, and a lot of times our veterans are just shuffled off to Buffalo. They're not, you know, they don't get the care they need. And so many have committed suicide, many more than you should have to deal with. But when you consider what they have dealt with and seeing friends of theirs die and and just being a killing machine, you know, no wonder these poor men, you know, have all these problems. And I think what you're doing is fabulous. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it so much. And I will ask all of your listeners if they have a penny or two to spare or a dollar or two or a few thousand dollars to spare, <laughs> if anybody does, uh, to go to the Thalians, T-H-A-L-I-A-N-S dot org, not dot com, but dot org. And you can read about us. And if you have anything to contribute, you can send to us. It will be very, very much appreciated. And let me tell you in advance, if you're even thinking of it, consider your ask <laughs> I love you. You're fabulous. Okay, now with the dirt. <laughs> but I also want to tell you that I will, um, I will link that up when I do the uh, when I do the description of the podcast. I will link up thalians.org, and people can just click on it and get there for you. Okay, so Ruda, you. Went into the movies pretty young. You, you were pretty. I can't even believe it. Your first movie was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Yes, that was my first movie. It wasn't my first professional appearance. Mm -mm. I believe the one that got me my SAG, the Screen Actors Mm -hmm. Guild card, uh, was working with Burns and Allen, Mm -hmm. which to (laughs) some of your listeners they will have heard it somewhere. Some will remember, but Burns and Allen were a great comedy team out of vaudeville and and a movie team that had probably the first of the really big hit series on television. And I was lucky enough to get cast in in one of the shows, and then I did a repeat visit. And uh, what a thrill it was to work with these huge television stars and, and to be considered a pro among them during my first work. You know, I, I was delighted. And so that was the first professional work. Mm-hmm. And that was while I was still in high school. And you had a crush on the director. I love that. Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. That came a little later. Yeah. Uh, but but then uh, Seven Brides was my first movie job. And what a tremendous job that was to have. And in those days, darling Grace, we were uh, doing the six-day weeks, not the five-day mm. weeks we now have. So it was lots of work and lots and lots of rehearsal, about six weeks of rehearsals on the dances alone. Yikes. Your toes must have killed you. <laughs> uh, my toes, my rear end, my hips, <laughs> my knees, my everything. But and, and I sprained my ankle during uh, rehearsal on one of the numbers, and I was so terrified that I was going to be let go uh, that they could replace me because we haven't shot the stuff yet, you know. But uh, thank God they uh, let me sit with my foot in a bucket and rehearse sitting down. 
Yeah, the guy just kind of dropped you heavy. He just kind of like plunked you down. Yes, yes. I was little. I was the littlest. I can't believe you are. I was reading and you come across this this statuesque woman and you're five feet. It's called high hair and high heels. (laughs) Well, it works. (laughs) I would never have guessed that you were so petite. I'm, I'm only 5'3". Oh. Uh, and, and, and our darling Janie Powell was really tiny. She was barely 5'1", I think. Did you get along with her? Oh, yes. Anybody would get along with her. She was marvelous. She seemed like a light, nice person. A darling girl, a very sweet girl, very nice girl. And, and of course, I, I get along with anything, so <laughs> anything. Uh, I have a good time, <laughs> no matter where and when, I insist on having a good time. Yeah, and I loved how, and once you flat, fell flat on your face doing this one too, so you had a couple of, you had a couple of falls. Uh, a few mishaps. Because I throw myself with full energy into everything, and our shoes, uh, dancer shoes, are always rubberized, you yeah. know, so that you don't slip. And uh, we were breaking in our shoes uh, during rehearsal just so that they'd be comfortable when the time came to shoot. And they hadn't been rubberized yet, and we went on to the platform that was the, the base for the barn raising in Seven Brides. And we were kind of trying out the floor and seeing how it felt, and I did a a step in rehearsal and slid back because my shoes weren't rubberized and smack, smack my nose and head against the floor. Oh, my God. I remember it's a big, wide plank, you know, stage. And Michael Kidd, our choreographer, who was the funniest man I think I've ever known, I woke up to him, hear him saying, no, she's all right. She's all right. She just dropped the quarter in the crack of the board (laughs) and she's looking for it. Did you? I've fallen flat on my face, and I got like black eyes. My nose swelled to uh, Jimmy Durante proportions, and I, you know, my t- everything. So you, you ended up okay because you weren't really injured from that fall. I flat guess on I was, and I guess it rattled my brains a little bit, but yeah. uh, but I didn't get black eyes, thank God. And so you did that, and your name was Rita Kilmonis. Ruta, Ruta. Kilmonis. I'm sorry, Ruta Kilmonis. Yeah, yeah. I knew they had. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. Kilmonis is my my birth name, mm-hmm. my father's name. Mm-hmm. Lithuanian, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and of course, all through grade school in Montreal, Canada, where I was born, uh, and and baby school, as I call it, in kindergarten, everybody thought it was uh, a misprint. And that it was Ruth, you know, that the A was was an H. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up Ruth and not knowing any better and not, you know, not being uh, adult enough to tell people that, uh, no, that's a mistake, correct it. And so I grew up with the name Ruth or sometimes Rita or sometimes Rhoda or whatever. <laughs> and uh, it, because nobody had heard the name Ruta, you know, before, because it's... Uh, the national symbol of Lithuania is a sprig of ruta. It's a flowering, very fragrant flowering herb that grows all over Eastern Europe. And it happens to be the national symbol of Lithuania. And brides wear garlands of it in their hair. And um, it's it's sung about in every Lithuanian song and poets write about it. And uh, it's, in, it's in everything. And 
theater curtains are embroidered with a sprig of ruta as a national symbol. Ru and so ruta. when I was when I was doing Seven Brides, actually in high school, I said to my homeroom teacher, uh, we've got to stop this. My name is Ruta, and, and that's it. And so from then on, I became Ruta. So I was Ruta Kilmonis. But um, when they sent the girls out on tour to publicize the picture, because MGM suddenly woke up to the fact that they had a real winner on their hands, and everybody had put the big money and all the press and everything into um, the Scottish musical, what the hell is it called? Brigadoon. Uh, Brigadoon, thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah, welcome. Uh, and and uh, the, nobody thought that this was going to be a big picture, and of course it turned out to be one of the big hits they ever made. And... Uh, the PR departments, you know, the publicity people right. came around and said, look, you're never going to be a movie star with a name like Ruta Kilmonis. You know, because that, those were the days before Gina Lola, Brigida, you know, and those names. And I said, oh, okay. So we kicked around a lot of names and nothing really worked. And then somebody said, what about Ruta Lee? Well, the diminutive of Ruta in Lithuanian and Yiddish and Polish and German and in anything is Rutele, Rutele, you know? And so I said, oh, that sounds Lithuanian. Okay, let's let's go with Ruta Lee. So I became Ruta Lee and did all my PR all over the U.S. and then all over Canada as Ruta Lee doing this, Ruta Lee doing that, you know, anything to make space in newspapers. And uh, somebody obviously forgot to, man, to, to mention this to the men that did the credits at MGM that my name had been changed and when the movie came out we went to see it I was still Ruta Kilmonis so you know all good intentions went to hell in in a handbasket there yeah I know I'm on IMDB and you're you you're Ruta Kilmonis here Kilmonis yes Kilmonis uh -huh. did you know that TCM I don't know. It still may be up there, but they have On Demand, and they had Seven Brides for Seven Brothers up there. And they also, uh, they took it off, but I watched it. I've seen it so many times. Witness for the Prosecution. They had that yeah. up there as well. And I love that movie. I, I well, love you know, that movie. Grace, I've got to tell you that while I have never starred or been a big enough name to be above the title in a movie, I've had some very nice roles, maybe not starring roles, but very nice ones. And Seven Brides and Witness for the Prosecution are in the list of the top 100 movies yes. ever made. So I'm very, very proud of that fact. You should be. And uh, uh, that, that's, that always puts a smile on my face, to think that I had something to do with both those movies. I think it's wonderful. I do. And I love that movie. How did you get the part? How is Hitchcock? You didn't really talk about him in the book too much. Well, but Hitchcock had nothing to do with that. Hitchcock, I did a television Oh, this was Billy uh, Wilder. Movie. Billy Wilder, yes. not Hitchcock, right? Yeah, you I know everybody. <laughs> yeah, 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 I did. Uh, Billy Wilder was was fabulous. Uh, of course, I write about this in in the book, and so I will not do the whole routine. But it was a, a great blessing that I had a very unique screen test when a, a producer of 
uh, Billy Wilder's uh, film, the the film that we're talking about, um, watched me watch Frank Sinatra in a nightclub one night and said uh, he thought he'd, I'd be a good love interest for Tyrone Power. Because you were sort of uh, making goo-goo eyes at Frank, huh? Yeah, you bet. I mean, I was uh, hanging there with my mouth hanging yeah. open. And, but so, so I became the love interest for Tyrone Power. And then fade out, fade in. Frank Sinatra is running witness for the prosecution at home after dinner one night and says, I've been watching this Ruta Liebrod on television a lot. Why don't we put her in one of, my, uh, one of the upcoming films? And that's how I got to be his leading lady and Dean Martins and Sammy Davis's and Peter Lauper's. How lucky Bishop were you? Crosby Boys. How lucky was you I? You were the only and, woman in this film. <laughs> yes, yes. And doesn't God work in beautiful and mysterious ways? How wonderful. I mean, I was a go, 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 Ruta. In the name well, of the, I enjoyed every single second of it. And the name of the movie was? Oh, Sergeant's Three. And it was, uh, not everybody got to see that so much because... It was in litigation in the courts for a long time yeah. because of unpaid taxes by Peter Lawford and Sammy Davis, all of whom had a tiny piece of it. Yeah. And so it didn't play on television a lot. And I, it doesn't play even now a lot. And it's kind of a fun, silly movie. But it's a uh, remake of the beautiful Gunga Dean book, except it's done as a Western. And Sammy plays the Gunga role, other, but he's not <laughs> called Gunga. He's somebody else, you know. And and uh, instead of it being shot in Africa uh, and India, it's shot in uh, here in in Hollywood, and and it takes place on a Western uh, scenario. You know, really kind of a sweet idea. And you get along with all the guys, great, and they treated you wonderfully. Oh yes, I was. Unfortunately, treated like their baby sister. <laughs> Except for Nobody once. chased me around. Nobody tried to rape me. Nobody tried to do anything, damn it. I could have written a great book. Yeah, well, there's a funny part in there where you be, sort of became friends with Frank, but he also warned you off of Peter Lawford to not yeah. hang out with Peter Lawford because he felt, because Peter Lawford was the one who delivered the news that, um, all the work he did for JFK, and he yes. put a helipad in and everything in. Yeah. And he was married to Pat Lawford Kennedy, Pat Kennedy Lawford, and they said, "Okay, you have to tell Frank." So he told Frank, and Frank blamed him. You know, it wasn't his fault. It was he just had to yeah. tell him, which was awful. And then JFK, because of you know, like. He was unsavory, but he wasn't unsavory when, you know, he was going out there promoting him. And he ended up landing in Bing Crosby's place. And you also met Bing Crosby. Oh, yeah. I did a movie with him when I was a youngster. Uh, Anything Goes. I mean, I had just a, a small part that was kind of a little showy and wonderful, I thought. And when I went to the premiere and my my entire scene, other than one quick glimpse of a party, was gone, uh, that was the first 
really depressing thing to happen in show business. You you learn right from the bat that you're in a business that you've chosen where you're at the, the whim and discretion and choice of somebody else. You don't control who who's going to be hired and who's going to be fired, you know. And uh, so you learn to accept no's and uh, lots of no's before you get one single yes. And uh, but but to have a movie that you have been waiting for the premiere for be invited and then not find yourself in the movie was really sad. Holy heartbreak, big time. Yeah, yeah. Holy heartbreak is right. I'm looking at all your work you did. Um, you were also in Funny Face. Yes, that was uh, another movie of Stanley Donans, who was the director of Seven Brides, mm-hmm. and he was directing this with beautiful Audrey Hepburn and wondrous Fred Astaire. Uh, I, I just uh, was in my glories hanging out on the set with these people, you know. Yeah, you said Fred was very uh, modest and sort of soft-spoken and... Very. Yeah, he, um, and very nice, and 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 he took a liking to me, and and uh, uh, would always would send me little notes and things about shows I was doing, and uh, that maybe I shouldn't uh, do that color again the next time because it wasn't as good, or that something was particularly nice, or whatever. And like the jerk that I was, you think that that's going to go on all your life, and I didn't save those little notes and cards, and just think of what I could have added. You I know? know you could. It, it's hard though. Because because, you know, if you move, you do what? You do this, you do that. And it's hard to save all these notes. And you it didn't is. know at the time that I should save these notes. You know, it just hits you yes, later. Like, exactly. Why didn't I save these notes? Um, I'm going to ask you, because this is one of the funnier parts to me of your book. And a lot of it made me laugh. But the part, um, you got to be friendly with Frank. And oh, yeah. you were his date one night, and did and you guys were both in Palm Springs, and <laughs> I don't know how to say this. So you and Frank are in the bedroom, and Frank. Oh, this wasn't this wasn't in Palm Springs. This was in Las Vegas. Okay, so you... and we all had hotel rooms, <laughs> yes. and he didn't want Peter to walk me to the hotel room uh, because he knew that Peter would attempt to do something yes uh and so he he walked me and usually it was sammy's job sammy davis who was really one of the most beloved wonderful entertainers and a beloved friend of mine uh would walk me to to my room and this time it was frank but i'm not going any further everybody has to read what happened when we got there okay i just want to tell you it made me laugh out loud for about oh, good. five <laughs> minutes and just the word you use for the whatever you know what i'm saying just <laughs> i died i laughed out loud i'm glad i wasn't drinking anything because it would have come out of my nose but you'll love this you guys it is so funny but you did talk to frank you you ended up being frank's friend and very good friends yeah very i would go over to the house uh, i i live in laurel canyon he lived in Coldwater canyon and we we're both sort of at the top of the hills and and so he'd call and say 
Uh, hey, Laudy, uh, that's the name that Dean Martin gave me. That's a riot. Said, Why were you Laudy? Were you loud? Because because <laughs> he said that God didn't give me a pair of breasts. He gave me a set of speakers. <laughs> Yes, I've always had a big voice, you know. And so I was loudy. Frank, Frank every, they all had names. Dean was drunky, you know, and, and Frank was uh, the Pope. And <laughs> But anyway, um, he would invite me over to the house. He'd say, come on over, we'll, we'll have dinner and, and talk, you know, or we'll see a movie or whatever. And, and that the same in Palm Springs. I would go to see him in Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of the times I was really blessed enough to have uh, uh, Bing Crosby there as company and he remembered me from Anything Goes and it was so magical to kind of just sit quietly for a change and listen to these two icons of our industry you know in the music industry talk about the business and people and what happened and Wow. Uh, I mean, I really had nothing to contribute there. I was too new at everything. And uh, just magic. And these are times that I'm so grateful for um, and, and times that I, I tried to share in the book with people. And one of the nice things that you said was that it was like sitting down and having a drink with me. And I've gotten that from most people who've read the book and above all, the critics. You know, there are critics for books of course. and they all say that it's it feels like a personal experience reading the book and, and it so does. i'm glad that i'm glad that my voice came out in the black and oh, white print big time big time yeah i you know i've been a fan and then when i read it i became even more of a fan and i just loved it It was like you know just you're chit-chatting with me and like i said i wine i wish Rudy was here having a glass of wine with me and we were talking about this yeah, i would love exactly. this but um Frank, when you would talk to him, would lament about Ava Gardner. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, he didn't uh, he didn't carry on and and do a whole opera about it, but it would come up invariably, uh, you know, in conversations uh, when he went to Africa and why he was there when she was shooting and how he got the money to get there and and how. He supported her the whole time that she was, you know, having love affairs with bullfighters and blah, blah, blah. And how whenever she was in trouble or sick or whatever, he'd fly to London to see her. Um, she remained a fixture in his life. And it was truly so sad that this glorious performer, Frank Sinatra, who could do the unrequited love songs better than anybody on the face of this earth was living them when it came to Ava Gardner. You know, and, Ruta, I just want to say, I do not think Ava did not love him. I think she oh, was... Oh, I'm sure she did. She was a kind of... She, I think, hardened herself. And she didn't want to be hurt. She didn't want this happening. She wrote in her autobiography that she wanted them to move to New York. Now, what difference that would make? I don't think any. But, um, I mean, they had this incredibly passionate affair, a love. But it was also, you know, it, you know, it was not healthy either. So, but then she never married again. And she just kind of went off to Spain and, you know, 
castanets and partying every night. And um, I, I, I think she loved Frank. I just think she truly loved him. But I don't think she felt that he would be faithful to her or whatever it was. But it's just my feeling. I don't know. Just from what I get from her books, that she didn't, she just was afraid to give her heart to anyone, I think. Maybe so. I, I never asked him what caused the breakup. And I'm sorry that I didn't ask because he was quite forthright with me about things. But, but you know, when, when you're listening to these stories, you kind of don't want to insert yourself and, and break the, the moment, you no, know? No, of course not. And so I never did get that part. But, but I know listened. that he had an ongoing love for uh, Nancy Sr., you know. There, that, I, I think, perhaps his upbringing, the Italian and the Catholic mm-hmm. and everything, uh, there's, there's a stamp that is made on your heart and your psyche uh, that I don't think is ever forgotten. Yeah, I do, too. I heard that he would go and have dinners there. I mean, there was not, you know, some hateful romance. He loved this woman. She knew him from the beginning. He had his children with her. He definitely loved her. And she, when did she die? She just died a few years ago, right? Yeah, like about a year ago. Yeah, she was amazing. A lovely, lovely, wonderful, wonderful woman. Just great. As is Nancy. Junior, uh, God love them. There's a lot of death in that family. You know, when I stop and think that Frank Junior is gone, right. ooh, who the hell expected that? Yeah. So yeah. But, yeah. Um, but he was also a wonderful performer, and I, I had the opportunity of seeing him several times. Uh, in fact, the last time. Um, I saw the whole family, Nancy Sr., Nancy Jr., and her other sister, uh, and Frank, uh, well, he was performing at at a club here in town, and I, too, went to see them, and we sat next door to each other, you know, at different tables. Right. And it was fun to see the whole family again, and I always felt like I was in some ways slightly incorporated into it, you know, because of the friendship that I had with everybody else. Nancy and... uh, uh, chaired the uh, one of the Thalian parties for us the year that I was honored, and uh, she was just fabulous. Uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of people were friends with her, and they really loved mm-hmm. her. Okay, I wanted, good dame. Yeah, she sounded like a good dame. The Twilight Zone. This is one of my. I have like five favorite episodes, and this is one of my favorites. And you're Flora, and you're like, "Hey, Daddyo," you're like a groovy chick, and you're. And you marry this older gent, your gold digger, and you're like too through with him. And he has a brother who hates your guts. And um, I guess he's an aging thing. And Patrick O'Neill plays, you know, the older guy. And he says, just give it to me. Give me some of this potion, and he didn't want to, but he did. Yeah, the brother's an endocrinologist, you know, who's been dealing with unusual hormones and drugs and things. Yeah, so it's so funny. That reverse the aging process. Right. So all of a sudden he becomes this hunk that you never knew because you married him older, 
And um, but very soon, boom, 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 boom. He really <laughs> becomes young, as in a baby. I think that happened like within a day. And his brother tells you, you will not get a penny unless you stay and raise this guy, this kid. <laughs> You're out, honey. So you got your you got your little uh, kick in the pants there. Oh, I loved it. That was one of my favorite parts. I loved uh, you in that. It was a riot. Look, bitches are much more fun to play than the goody two-shoes. You know. You were great. And so it was great fun to play it. It stood out in everybody's mind that mm-hmm. saw it. And uh, I still love it when it comes up. It, too, didn't play as often as uh, a lot of the other shows uh, because of some sort of litigation on it. But uh, but it was a, a joyous thing to do, and I loved every minute of it. And it was shot at MGM, where, I, of course, I did Seven Brides and a lot of other television stuff. So it was like being home. And uh, needless to say, I have great fondness and respect and love in my heart for MGM. I can imagine. Now, you said you were on Gunsmoke three times? Three or four. And you played uh, Jenny, the same person, Jenny, a couple times? No, no, no. no. And, and, and they were all different characters. But Jenny was the one that I liked the best because, uh, as I write about it in the book, that's the one where I had an episode with... Uh, Darling James Arness. People loved him. Nicest, one of the nicest people. And, you know, very few people remember that he was that vegetable or whatever it is in that that sci fi movie, (laughs) The Thing. The Thing That Came from Outer Space. That was one of my favorite movies. (laughs) Me too. And, And. that director um, that I never, unfortunately, had I can't a chance to work him for. Either. Yeah, it was one of the first directors to overlap language scenes. You know, people talking over people, and uh, it worked so beautifully in that. And and uh, I I loved it, and and I loved. Uh, James Arness, whether he was the thing, a carrot, or whatever he was. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was really sweet. Um, was he supposed to be in love with Miss Kitty? Well, I never knew that. Because uh, he had other romances, didn't he? He wasn't really... I, I presume. I, I, I don't think. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, you're saying, did he love Amanda? Right. Blake? On the show. Wasn't she married? I don't know. I thought she was married. Maybe not. No, as, no, as her character on the show. Oh, as a character, yes. what do I know? I didn't write it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they kind of had this flirtation and whatever, but... Oh, I, well, sure, why not? They were supposed to be a, an item, yeah. Yeah, that's why, off the screen. Oh, yeah. yeah, I thought you meant that he, did he have a, some sort of a yen for her as a person? No, I, don't, I think they were just great pals. And unfortunately, so at the end, uh, she did marry someone, and he was much younger than her, and he... Ended up giving her AIDS. She died of AIDS. He did not tell. I don't you know, know if she... No, I'm not sure I ever knew that. Yeah? Well, here's a tidbit from Tinseltown, and it's a true story. Yep. 
she married this guy and she was so happy and whatever. I don't know if he told her he was gay, but you know, they were still having relations. Who knows? Or maybe she was just totally surprised he was gay. But um, yeah, he passed on AIDS to her. And at that time, people didn't really live long with AIDS and she died within a few years. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, I felt so badly for her. Oh, and now now we've got drugs that can keep you going forever. Oh, my. Yeah, but it was right oh, in the beginning, right in the beginning of that whole thing. And um, poor lady. You were on 70. Well, then she was still quite young at the time. She was. I think she was late 50s. I was going to say maybe around 60, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. So you did a lot of Perry Masons. Yes, I did, and they were a great, great learning show business experience for me because I got to play all kinds of different parts. And I so admire, and in fact, I write about her a little bit in the book, uh, Gail Patrick Jackson was the producer. And Gail Patrick was a big star in the 30s and into the 40s. Yeah, I know. tons of. I've and, watched tons of her movies. Oh, yeah, and a very pretty woman and very. a charming woman. And, and she gave up acting to become a producer. And, boy, it, she, she did the right thing. She was so good. And what I loved about her was that she had no problem with hiring young, pretty women and having them around the set. And with me, and I imagine she did it with some other girls that I don't know, but I would be invited on occasion to her home uh, that she shared with with Cornwall Jackson. Don't you love that name, Corny Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> um, and and you know, I'd be invited to cocktail things or dinner parties and whatnot, and treated like a total adult. And I was very young. I had to be all of you know maybe eighteen at the time or something, and nineteen. Um, and it was uh, I, I felt so uh, appreciated by her, and I. I just hope that she's hearing my voice now. I assume that she's sitting next to God directing movies, you know. (laughs) I wonder if Raymond Burr is starring, you know, you wonder. Oh, he has to be there. (laughs) He has to be there. He's such a prankster. He and, of course, darling Barbara Hale, um, and I even spoke at her funeral. Um, She, they were such pranksters, such teases. They really tortured each other with some of the things they did, but uh, but they were all fun and they were all for laughs and they all loved each other so much. What a lovely job that was. Boy, I'd be jealous of that, you know? Not, not jealous, but envious of how perfect that kind of setup was. Yeah. Uh, you were on Gomer Pyle and you were Gomer Dates a movie star. And then you were on Andy Griffith, and when Andy goes to Hollywood, he dates you. I didn't know that was you. I have to watch that over again, that you are Darling Oh, yeah. Mason. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, the groovy was- movie star, and he- Helen Crump is all jealous and stuff. His yes. girlfriend. Yes. And Gomer Pyle, one of your best friends who's married to Dick Gaudier, I can't think of her name, Barbara... Barbara Stewart. Yes. She played Bunny. S-T-U-A-R-T. Yes. <laughs> she played Bunny on Gormer Pyle. M- Miss Bunny. Miss, Miss Bunny. Bunny. Oh, and yes. The amazing thing is that in spite of how many people and how many shows 
Barbara did and movies that were important, what she was always remembered the most for was the role of Miss Bunny in Gomer Pyle. Wow. I know. I remember as Miss Bunny. I, and she was adorable, and I loved her in that. She was... Um... She was just the most darling, wonderful friend, and, and uh, I miss her. And then she's gone, and Dick is gone now, too. I'm looking at all Dick Godier. Yes, I liked him. He used to do a lot of the stuff, that, like Love American Style and all that other stuff. You did tons of Love American Styles. Yes, I did. And in fact, one of them was with Dick Godier, and Barbara was up for the same part that I got. And she didn't get it because she wasn't the type to play Dick Godier's wife. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> that is such a right. These, they've done things like that and other things, too, that oh, sure. I will never yeah. believe that. You also on Marcus Welby, MD, and you oh, yes. think that James Brolin, Be Still My Heart, is a hunk of hunk of burn in love, and I think he is, too. I still think he's a gorgeous guy. Well, I haven't seen much of him at all now. He's but, with Babs. Uh, <laughs> he's with Babs, and I presume that they are happy together. Um, I'd, if I were Babs, I'd be happy. Me too. He's a hunk. He is. Yes. He's and he's, he's a very nice guy. I, I he looks knew, it. I knew his former wife. Um, I, I don't know Barbara. I've, I met her once uh, a thousand years ago when she was doing. Uh, funny girl on Broadway and uh, she was pleasant enough in a cool kind of way mm-hmm. uh, I had a date with uh, oh dear Mel Torme we were meeting up in New York uh, to have dinner and because uh, we had both been doing a show in Philadelphia and so he took me to see her and then we went backstage um, she was another one of those cool ladies you know that's not o- overly warm to people and welcoming. Huh. Well, Babs, I wouldn't think so. I, I would not think she was. You know, she's sort of, um, you know, Babs. <laughs> she's, a, she's an incredible artist. Oh, man. Absolutely you can't incredible. ever take that away from her. She is yeah, certainly. Yeah, incredible. But uh, I don't know. I know that she's done you know, a wing at the hospital at Cedar sinai in her father's name. But beyond that, I, I have no consciousness of her being charitable. And I think that that is something that um, either I don't know about and, and uh, shouldn't talk or something that she should remedy and fix because there are an awful lot of people that are her big fans and yes. admirers and a little help coming to different organization that need help would be very nice. That would be. And I know there's so many people with multi-millions and they, you know, you can't take it with you. You know, can't you help somebody? Exactly. And I, I never understood that. You were on Fantasy Island three times. I'm sorry, say that again? You were on Fantasy Island three times. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. You didn't like Tattoo. Times, you didn't like Hervé Villages? Uh, no, and you know, you never hear me say that about anybody, but, but I, I thought he was a bit of a putz. Um, he just, um, he took himself rather seriously. He was an and, artist from Paris. And, and yeah. thought he was God's gift to women, Lord you know, especially, especially tall, long-legged women. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, so I, I just, uh, well, he's gone, and, and one must not speak ill of the dead. No. And, Do you know and I always love Betty that? Davis's line when, when she was told <laughs> that Joan Crawford died. She said, one must not speak ill of the dead, so all I can say is good. She's dead. I know. That was terrible. Um, you were in Elvis and the Beauty Queen, and you starred with Don Johnson and Stephanie Zemblis Jr., and you were Susu. I saw yes. this. Who was Susu? Oh, that's amazing. She was a bit of a, a comedic character. Uh, what the hell? I mean, I, I think maybe a little bit like Joni, you know, that sort of a crazy lady. Um, but it was fun. It was fun doing. And, and Stephanie Zimbalis is a lovely girl. Oh, I love I really her. Didn't get, love I didn't her. get very much time with Don. I mean, I liked him. And he, oh, boy, handsome. Um, but I loved Stephanie. I thought she was very sweet and nice. And then I did another show with her where we shot up in San Francisco. And that was kind of fun. God, this shooting has taken me all over the place. And I know, it's I, amazing. So yes. So grateful. I also love that you, too, thought Ephraim Zemblis Jr. was a dreamboat. Because I never thought he was until I saw this movie, Wait Until Dark with Gene Simmons, and she had a nervous yes. breakdown. What? A gorgeous guy. Then I read about him, and he was sort of zen. And, you know, he never stopped learning or thinking and he died just a couple years ago and um his daughter said he was you know sharp as a tack and having a drink every night and doing his thing you know so he was beautiful in every way yeah uh a, a very he was a religious man i think he blessed and thanked God every day for where he was and how he got there and, you know, et cetera. I mean, but he had a beautiful upbringing. His father, of course, was, you know, a very famous conductor. But um, I've got to tell you that I, I just, he was the kind of man that I, well, I went for one. The, the man that I married was very, very much like Ephraim, not at all an actor. He was a businessman, but nevertheless, a gentle Lovely, God-fearing, um, God, God's children-loving uh, man, and um, you know, I, I was blessed to have a forty-six-year marriage with somebody that made my life so pleasant. He sounded amazing, and I love the picture of you too. I don't know if it's a forty-five-year wedding anniversary or something, and it's so beautiful of the two of you. It's just such a nice picture, and he sounded great. He just sounded fabulous. Um, he was. He truly was, and, and I, I was. That was, because you got married a little later. You weren't in your 20s, whatever. Oh, I was well into my 30s, getting towards the end of them, actually, or the middle somewhere. And uh, and I, I got this guy and met him on a plane, and that's all written about in a book that's really mm-hmm. kind of funny. And um, just had the greatest marriage possible. You know, we never had a crossword between us. Oh, you might say, oh, you know. Jump, go jump off the bridge, you silly ass. You know that sort of thing, but but never across anything between us, which was really special. It was, and how many people don't get that? So you are that, truly, truly blessed. Yeah. People are envious of that kind of relationship. Truly, unfortunately, they're not around that much. Um, I want to ask you, Ruta, what is your thoughts today on actors and actresses? 
wokeness. Um, you know, we we you like you said, people knew Raymond Burr was gay, but it was just not spoken about. People knew that Rock Hudson was gay. It wasn't spoken about. Tab Hunter, I love him. What a great guy. I saw his Me documentary. Too. It was fabulous. Adorable. Yeah. Adorable man. Oh, yeah. But today, do you think a leading man, because non-leading men, like character actors and certain things have come out as gay, do you think a leading man could do that today? Uh, not only do I think they could, I think they are. Really? The leading men? Uh, but again, I don't know that they are making noises about it. And I wish that we would stay that way. I wish that there was still a little bit of propriety from the ladies and gentlemen of the press. And I do, media too. I was going to ask you about, about that. Who the hell cares? Exactly. Just shut up. I do, too. Well, and it bothers you know, me. This, oh, it, it bothers me terribly. I hate... Everything that's going on, this whole woke crap. Me too. Please stop it. Just stop it. Everybody live their own life. Do what you need to do. Don't hurt anybody. And who cares? Yeah, it's just a social media, especially like Twitter. If some, you can't say anything. Do you get all these people, the woke people, and it's like this, this you know, they all gang up on you. That person well, needs to be fired. political correctness has cost us a great deal in our all-American life. I agree. And the most important thing, I think, is the humor that with which we always dealt with everything. I think it's one of the great things we inherited from the Brits was great humor. And now w nothing's funny anymore because, yeah. God forbid, you mention anything ethnic. Or anything, you know, um, it, anything that, that doesn't go with the current wokeness. Uh, it's all BS. It is. I agree with you 100%. And I'm with you on the leading men as well. And you know what? I don't think... I knew someone who wrote... Some, I read an article, and he was... Uh, he wrote that they should be outed. Why? No, they shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. If they want... They live it's their own life. business. Really? And then this one guy who uh, was very big and he wrote newspapers, he said, no, they should not be outed. No one has a right to out somebody. How dare you? And, you know, just let them entertain you. Let them be who they are. It just doesn't matter. It just is so crazy to me. And it's too much. I'm with you. The wokeness and all of that. People can't be funny. Imagine Joan Rivers. She'd be, <laughs> she would be you know, in an uproar over this kind of stuff, you know? Exactly. And, and God bless her. I mean, oh. but, you know, it's very interesting that you bring up Joan Rivers because she, she was a friend. And uh, my girlfriend, Barbara Stewart, that we were talking about right. just a little earlier, Miss Bunny, um, had been up in Vegas with her because she asked me to go and I couldn't. But um, she was up spending some time with Joan in Las Vegas. And she said, I, I was appalled at the language that Joan was using in her performance uh, at the Sands or the Riviera or wherever the hell it was. And she went backstage afterwards, and then they were going to go out and have some dinner. And she said, why? Why, why are you using all that, that stuff? And she said, because I want to work, and that's where it's going now. And isn't that a sad commentary? It is. That she who had a wild and wonderful sense of humor uh, and could get away with stuff because she was so girlish, you know, 
She was a riot. You could yeah. not. I, yeah. I, I yeah. laughed my I mean, head No matter what she said, right. yeah. Uh, but, but how sad that we had to go that way. And, and when you stop and think that most of the stand-up comics nowadays, and, and some of them are really brilliant, uh, are using four-letter words for every other word in their in their spiel, you know? Well, it's too... And it, that's, it's easy. That's so sad to me. It's easy to, to swear. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just do that whole nine yards. And, not, you know, it's not easy to be clean, be a clean comic because people generally yeah. don't want to hear it. But then all these comics now they are coming up, they used to do a lot of college work, they used to do a lot of stuff. And now these kids are so woke, they don't want to go to these places because they're going to get booed if they see something that these, you know, college kids don't like. And it's like, it's not worth it for them. It's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going there. It's so ridiculous. And and so I'm not a big social media person. I just, ugh, I just don't like it. You know, I know I should be doing it to help with the, the show, but I just, you know, it's not my cup of tea. Not well, what you're doing is what your listeners want, and when they don't want, they won't be there, and you'll know soon enough, but I have a feeling that you're going to go on forever and ever. And speaking of going on forever and ever, I'm looking at the clock. Yes, and we and have I've to... an appointment. <laughs> and Ruta, um, you have been a lovely, lovely guest. I am so thrilled you are my first guest of 1922. Yay! I'm so happy to be a part of your list and a part of your life and thank you for being in mine and thank you for caring and above all thank you for sharing your wonderful audience with me. Thank you. I really appreciate spending time with people in their ear and in their heart, hopefully. Yes, definitely. And you are darling. And um, Ruta's book, again, is called Consider Your Ass Kissed. And I can't tell. It is like if you if you feel like, oh, you know, I want to hang out, I want to read a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or a martini, sit and read and pretend Ruta's right across from you. It's fun. And it's it is. It's a fun read. And it's available, of course, on Amazon.com. And everywhere. Uh, very, very quickly. And it's available at Barnes and Noble, but I always say, you know, those poor little mom and shop I know, mom and pops. are going out of business. If you have one in your neighborhood, go support it. Ask them to order the book for you, even if you have to wait a few days for it. It's it's worth the wait, and you'll be helping someone in your own neighborhood. Yeah, I So agree. all I can do is say, God bless you, darling friend. God bless all your listeners, and a very happy and above all, dear God. Healthy New Year. Better than the last two bits of crap we had. Fingers and toes crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, Ruta. You're a darling. Love you. Love you, too. Bye. Ruta was great, wasn't she? And um, I just want to say, like Ruta said, we do not know if someone gives. Many, many, many people give privately, and they never make... Um, they don't make a big deal of it. Nobody knows about it. It's private. So I certainly, nor was Ruta saying that we know that Barbara Streisand did not, does not give. Um, because I believe if she did, it would be private and not so public. So thank you to the lovely Ruta. Her wonderful book is... Um, I'm going to link it up to you. And it is really like you're talking to her. She is talking to you. So it is a wonderful book, lots of stories that we did not get into. And you will enjoy it. And um, 
maybe it ain't 1922, but it is 2022, but <laughs> now it's March 2022. And again, I apologize to Ruta. And um, that's it. So bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stories of Tinseltown.